the suffering. Its people look for inspiration. I wish I could say this was the first time. But it's not. There is hope. There's always been hope. But to find it, we must dig deep into ourselves and into the past to find the stories and the strength of those who came before us. I'm Ryan. And if I sound like Hello and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll Time Machine. I'm your host, Ryan Price, and man, have I got a cool show for you today. Lucky you. First of all, we're going to visit Napoleon Bonaparte. All right, this guy was a big deal, even though he might have been considered kind of short. Uh, he restored stability to the post-revolutionary France, and uh, he wasn't a fan of the British Navy, but he was emperor of France. So we're going to talk about him also. Saint Ursula, venerated Roman British saint. She led 11,000 virgins on a pilgrimage across Europe until they crossed paths with the Hunts. We'll, we'll talk about that. And finally, Henry VIII, former King of England, more than a few wives. Instrumental, though, in separating the country from its European counterparts. Anyways, before we talk about these people, let's play some music.
got a face and a phone She got places to go Well, at least let me take you home There's some tequila in here I'm not tasting it though So I'm just letting you know Hollywood is not for the diamonds So hold on to someone good When you find them Don't stop fires
Must have been bad timing how How I'm just arriving now Ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving, wow No, I'm not a rapper, but I feel like it Just made a hundred thousand dollars off a weekend gig I spent it all the next day on the LA strip I say I'm lying, but you already knew that shit Now watch me blow a couple bands, blow a couple bands Throw my hands, do a little dance in La 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 Land I'm the man, hiding in my sock, running from the cop Don't get caught, I don't wanna miss you Must have been bad timing, how? How I'm just arriving now Ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving, wow Must have been bad timing, how? I'm just arriving now Ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving, wow They say I shouldn't do it, but I feel like it I'm gonna get a tattoo of your name for kicks Got a couple of my friends and we do alright They say it's all you ever really need in this life Gonna ricochet the hate, got a lot of love Here to stay, share a lot of pain But it's not a fault, I don't blame you enough for this See all of the words on my wrist, got them all for you Must have been bad timing, how? How I'm just arriving now Ain't, ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving Wow. Must have been bad timing, how? How I'm just arriving now Ain't, ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving Wow. Ain't, ain't it so surprising how I was down, now I'm thriving Wow. Ain't, ain't it so surprising how
Greetings listeners and welcome to one of Napoleon's battlefields. I am Capitan Fromage Homage, last in command. I hope you are wearing your outrageously blue uniform. It might make us easy targets for the English, but it really brings out my eyes. The Emperor is coming! Quick look busy! So, who was Napoleon Bonaparte? He was born on August 15th, 1769, on the Mediterranean island of Corsica. Though his parents were part of a minor Corsican nobility, the family was not wealthy. Napoleon attended school in mainland France, where he learned French and went to graduate from French military school in 1785. He then joined the French army and slowly rose through the ranks. In 1797, the Directory, a five-person group that had governed France since 1795, offered to let Napoleon lead an invasion of England. However, Napoleon didn't think the French army was militaristically ready. Instead, he proposed an invasion of Egypt to wipe out British trade routes with India. Napoleon's troops scored a victory against Egypt's military rulers, but were left stranded after the fleet was destroyed by the British Navy. In 1780, Napoleon decided to abandon his army in Egypt and return to France. Later that year, he helped overthrow the French Directory, which was replaced with a three-member consulate with Napoleon as first consul. This made him France's leading political figure. Napoleon worked to restore stability to a post-revolutionary France. He centralized the government, instituted reforms in areas such as banking, and education, supported science and the arts, and sought to improve relations between his regime and the Pope. In 1802, the Constitutional Amendment made Napoleon first consul for life. Two years later, he crowned himself Emperor of France in a lavish ceremony at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. In 1796, Napoleon married Josephine, a stylish widow six years his senior, who had two teenage children. However, as a result of their childless marriage, Napoleon had the union annulled so he could find a new wife and procure an heir. In 1810, he wed Mary Louise, the daughter of the Emperor of Austria. The following year, she gave birth to their son, Napoleon Bonaparte, who became known as Napoleon II and was given the title King of Rome. Napoleon also had several illegitimate children during this period. From 1803 to 1815, France was engaged in the Napoleonic Wars, a series of major conflicts with various coalitions of European nations. In 1803, Napoleon sold France's Louisiana territory in North America to the newly independent United States for $15 million, a transaction that later became known as the Louisiana Purchase. The money would help Napoleon fund his future military campaigns. In December 1805, Napoleon achieved one of his greatest victories at the Battle of Austerlitz, in which his army defeated the Austrians and the Russians. The victory resulted in the dissolution 
of the Holy Roman Empire and the creation of the Confederation of the Rhine. During these years, Napoleon re-established a French aristocracy and began handing out titles to nobility of his loyal friends and family as the empire continued to expand across much of Western and Central continental Europe. However, Napoleon's success was short-lived. During 1810 to 1814, French troops were defeated in Russia. A further loss at the Battle of the Nations occurred in 1813, and in March 1814, Paris was captured by coalition forces. Napoleon was forced to abdicate the throne. He was exiled to a small Mediterranean island called Elba, while his wife and son went to Austria. Napoleon escaped from Elba a year later and entered France with 1,000 supporters. The French king fled the country and Napoleon started his 100 days campaign. Unfortunately, it was a huge disaster and Napoleon was once again banished from France, this time to St. Helene, a British-held island in the South Atlantic Ocean where Napoleon remained until his death at the age of 51, possibly from stomach cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again and again. 
Get 
place than here. What better time than now? Everybody's gone to the bar 
Now it's time for your Napoleon Bonaparte facts. Fact number one. One of his most significant accomplishments was the Napoleonic Code, which streamlined the French legal system and continues to form the foundation of French civil law to this day. Fact number two. At the height of his powers, Napoleon developed the habit of dressing up as a lower-class bourgeois and wandering the streets of Paris. Seemingly, his aim was to find out what the man on the street really thought of him, and he reportedly quizzed random passerbys about their emperor's merits. Fact number three. Apparently, one of Napoleon's least endearing habits was his penchant for singing, or humming, or mumbling. Whenever he became agitated, unfortunately, contemporary accounts suggest that his singing voice was distinctly unmusical. He was essentially tone deaf. Quotes. Quote number one. Never interrupt your enemy when he is making a mistake. Quote number two. The reason most people fail instead of succeed is they trade what they want most for what they want at the moment. Quote number three. The only way to lead people is to show them a future. A leader is a dealer in hope.
would travel throughout Europe, visiting holy places. It was a sisterhood of the traveling saints. So, who was Saint Ursula? Ursula was born sometime between 300 and 600 AD. According to the medieval legend, Princess Ursula was the daughter of King Deontus of Dumnania, a region covering modern-day southwest England. He sent Princess Ursula to join her future husband, the pagan governor Conan Myriadoc of Amorica, or as it's known today, Brittany. Ursula set sail with 11,000 virgin handmaidens. They encountered a miraculous storm, which allowed them to cross the sea in a single day. We can imagine Ursula took this as a promising sign for her future marriage to Conan. So before the union took place, Ursula declared that she would make a pan-European pilgrimage. She traveled to Rome with her handmaidens and persuaded the Pope to join them. Unfortunately, when Ursula and her handmaidens arrived in Cologne, Germany, they encountered the Huns. It is said that the Huns ordered Ursula and her handmaidens to copulate or marry them. The women refused, preferring to uphold their purity, while Ursula chose to remain faithful to her proposed husband. As a result, the women were brutally massacred by beheading. Ursula was supposedly shot with an arrow by the Huns' leader, possibly around 383 AD. Ursula and her handmaidens have been honored in history as martyrs, and until 1969, St. Ursula's Feast Day was celebrated on October 21st, when the general Roman calendar was modernized. Her feast day was not included due to skepticism regarding her existence. The alleged relics of Ursula and her 11,000 handmaidens are said to be held at the Basilica of St. Ursula in Cologne. It contains what has been described as a veritable tsunami of ribs, shoulder blades, and femurs, arranged in zigzags and swirls, and even in the shapes of Latin words. The peculiarities of the relics themselves have thrown doubt upon the authenticity of Ursula and her 11,000 maidens. When skeletons of little children, ranging in age from two months to seven years, were found buried with one of the sacred virgins in 1183, the canon St. Herman Joseph explained that they were distant relatives of the handmaids. The Order of Ursulines, founded in 1535 by Angela Mercy, helped venerate St. Ursula around the world. The order was devoted to the education of young girls, and St. Ursula was named the patron saint of schoolgirls. A town in the Philippines also has a church dedicated to St. Ursula, where her feast is celebrated on October 21st. A procession at Laguna Lake is carried out to commemorate Ursula's journey. It is made up of a group of men and women in colorful traditional Filipino costumes dancing in the streets with the image of Ursula chanting joyfully. 
St. Ursula's legend has also been honored through place names, including the Virgin Islands in the Caribbean. Christopher Columbus named these islands in her honor when sailing past them in 1493. In 1520, when Ferdinand Magellan entered the Straits of Magellan, he decided to name the Cape Cape Virgins after Ursula's virgin handmaids. A small village in West Wales has a church dedicated to Ursula. The village name translates as Church of the Virgin. She is believed to have come from this area. There are also Anglican churches dedicated to St. Ursula in the United Kingdom, Switzerland, the United States, and the Caribbean. Despite the lack of definitive information, the legend and status of St. Ursula remains very much alive to this day. When I was a child, running in the night, I was afraid of what might be. Hiding in the dark and hiding on the streets, and of what was following me.
you apply some pressure I like to wait and see how things turn out If you apply some pressure What happens when you lose everything You just start again You start all over again What happens when you lose Fact number one, a distinguished surgeon once was banished from Cologne for suggesting that among the collection of maiden relics, there were several bones that belonged to full-grown mastiffs. Fact number two, close to the Gherkin skyscraper in London, there is a street called St. Mary Axe. It is named after the Church of St. Mary Axe, originally dedicated to St. Mary the Virgin, St. Ursula, and the 11,000 virgins. It was demolished in the late 16th century. However, a 1514 manuscript claims that the church contained one of the axes used by the Huns to execute the virgins. Fact number three, Whitelands College the oldest educational institution of the Church of England has been under the patronage of St. Ursula since its formation. She is the patron saint of the college's chapel. Quotes, Although there are no quotes from St. Ursula, it is said that she gave prayer instructions to a dying monk. The main feature of these Ursuline prayers instructs that they are reciprocal in return for devotion to St. Ursula and God. The petitioner is granted protection in this life and access to heaven.
I'm having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting sheep but running out. As time ticks by, still I try. No rest for cross tops in my mind. On my own, here we go. Feel like they're gonna bleed Right up and bulging on my skull My mouth is dry My face is numb Fucked up and spun out in my room On my own, here we go Older, 
Nothing's ever gonna feel the same way that it did when we were younger. I wish that I could hold you, baby. I know it's over. We're never gonna feel it again. Yeah, it took me 16 years to find you, one second to love you, seven years to hold you, one minute to lose you. Oh God. Yeah. Where did I go wrong? Yeah. Do you remember oh, when I was your king? Fall in love with me And if they don't They're dead as can be 
Some say I was mean, some say I was nice But if you believe them, you better think twice Cause I'll separate as the head of state The church if I can't divorce my mate Yo, yo Henry in the palace, yo It's Henry So who was Henry VIII? Henry was born in 1509 to King Henry VII and Elizabeth of York. In his youth, Henry was a vibrant, cheerful little boy, adored and indulged by his family. Henry's brother, Arthur, was in line for the throne and married to the Spanish princess, Catherine of Aragon. This meant Henry had a childhood free from restraints of responsibility. Unfortunately, that all changed when Arthur died prematurely at the age of 15. This placed a huge, unexpected burden on Henry, and to make matters worse, his beloved mother died two years later. From then on, Henry's father mollycoddled Henry to protect him. It is important to remember that Henry wasn't always the angry, bloated man that he was often portrayed to be. As a young man, Henry was charming and accomplished. He wrote music and poetry and threw himself into all the sports of the Tudor court hunting, jousting, wrestling, swordplay, hawking, and tennis. He was described as a golden prince and a universal genius. In short, he was probably the most sought-after prince in all of Europe. Henry became king of England in 1509 upon the death of his father. It was the most peaceful passing of royal power in over a hundred years. Henry's first act as king was to marry Spanish Princess Catherine of Aragon. After her brief marriage to Henry's older brother, Arthur, in 1501, Catherine had been left stranded in England. At 23, she was over five years older than Henry. Although little is known about whether they were in love, they would spend 24 years happily married. Unfortunately, Catherine was unable to provide Henry with a son. This was Henry's greatest desire as it would solidify the Tudor dynasty and display his strength and virility at a time when the king's body was a representation of his authority. Henry's lack of an heir was seen as a sign of a weak king with little control over his kingdom. With Catherine aging and Henry becoming increasingly frustrated at the lack of an heir, he attempted to divorce Catherine on grounds that the Bible warned against marrying your brother's widow. To Henry, this was the obvious answer as to why Catherine couldn't produce an heir. And besides, he had an eye on a pretty young lady that had promised to provide him with a son. However, Catherine refused to agree to a divorce, so Henry had to petition the Pope. It took seven years and became known as the King's Great Matter. Unfortunately, the Pope's advisor was Catherine's nephew, so the Pope refused to grant the divorce. A determined Henry decided that the only solution was to declare independence from Rome and the Catholic faith. Conveniently, this left him free to create the Church of England. With himself at the head of the church, this was possible because God had chosen Henry as God's representative on earth. Anyone that refused to acknowledge Henry over the Pope was executed. Religion taken care of, Henry gained an annulment of his marriage to Catherine and married Anne Boleyn. Henry was besotted with Anne. He had waited seven years to marry her, created a new faith, and upset the English 
He must have been, therefore, disappointed when it became apparent that Anne wasn't going to produce a son. Plus, Anne had really upset Henry by taking courtly love too far and imagining his death. He had little choice but to order her execution. Within two weeks, Henry was married to Jane Seymour. When Jane's first child with Henry was a boy, he was overjoyed. This also validated all Henry's previous decisions as God had seen it fit to bless him with a son. It was short-lived as Jane died shortly afterwards from childbirth complications. Although Henry considered himself God's representative on earth, his religious policies were widely opposed. In 1539, the Act of Proclamation gave full legal authority to all his commands. Discriminatory laws were passed against witchcraft and homosexuality. Henry was becoming a tyrant. It was also during this period that Henry's health rapidly deteriorated. A jousting accident in 1536 caused severe concussion and burst a varicose ulcer on Henry's left leg, a legacy from an earlier traumatic jousting injury in 1527 that had healed. This time the ulcers appeared on both legs, causing incredible pain. Despite treatment, the ulcers didn't heal, but became infected. The constant pain left Henry short-tempered and angry. As a result of the ulcers, Henry was unable to hunt, joust, or engage in any of his favorite pastimes, which caused his weight to balloon. After a brief marriage to Anne Cleves, Henry married the teenage Catherine Howard. But she too was sent to the executioner's block after Henry thought she was having an affair. With the pain in his legs becoming unbearable as they gradually became rotten and produced a foul smell, Henry must have known he was no longer a pretty playboy. So the last time he married, it was not for passion or to hope for a son, but to a lady who would care for him until his death. Henry married Catherine Parr in a secret service at Hampton Court Palace in 1542. Despite rallying after his marriage to Catherine Parr, Henry waxed heavy with sickness, age, and corpulence, died in the early hours of the 28th of January, 1547, aged 55, at Whitehall Palace.
Now it's time for your Henry VIII facts. Fact number one, Henry was a hypochondriac. He was so paranoid about illness that he would go to great lengths to avoid contracting the sweating sickness and the plague. He would frequently spend weeks in isolation and steered well clear of anyone he thought might have been subjected to disease. These included his wives. When his second wife, Anne Boleyn, caught the sweating sickness in 1528, he stayed away until the illness passed. Fact number two, he is the only English monarch to have ruled in Belgium. Henry captured the city of Tournai in modern-day Belgium in 1513 and went on to rule it for six years. Fact number three, Henry's nickname was Coppernose. This less-than-complimentary nickname is a reference to the debasing of coinage that took place during his reign. The raise funds for ongoing wars against Scotland and France, Henry's chancellor, Cardinal Wolseley, decided to add cheaper metals to coins and thus mint more money at a lower cost. The increasingly thin layer of silver coins would often wear off where the king's nose appeared revealing the cheaper copper beneath. Quotes. Quote number one. To wish myself, specially an evening, in my sweetheart's arms, whose pretty duck's breast I trust shortly to kiss. Henry's words to Anne Boleyn. Quote number two. You've sent me a Flanders mare upon seeing Anne of Cleves in person for the first time. Quote number three. Well-beloved subjects, we thought that the clergy of our realm had been our subjects holy, but now we have well perceived that they be but half our subjects, yea, and scarce our subjects. For all the prelates at their consecration make an oath to the Pope clean, contrary to the oath that they make to us, so that they seem to be his subjects but not ours, to Parliament on his role as Supreme Head of the Church. And that's it for this episode of Rock and Roll Time Machine. Thank you so much for tuning in, and don't forget to catch us next time.
blind your eyes Steal your tongue Take it when you're over But it locks on you Come down, I can't believe we built this room 
Supposed to be protectors, not a fucking pressers. There's something wrong with the way that they speak. 